0: listen and subscribe to the table of truth on itunes spotify stitcher and google podcasts welcome everybody to the table of truth this is blurred lines we are recapping the expanse the final season we all watch it it's one of our favorite shows we wanted to um, have a recap of every episode that dropped it's only six episodes so it should be pretty cool with me as always is uh
1: this is admiral josh thomas reporting for duty <laughs> as well as this is D the professor here to
2: drop some knowledge and uh unpack the expanse we love <laughs> this show we can't say it too much
0: it's true it's true uh uh on recommendations of both of these brothers they uh, got me to watch the expanse and i have not looked back it is probably easily my top 3 sci-fi shows of all time it will probably be number 1 by the time this ends we'll see Um mm-hmm. But so, what we're gonna do is to kind of keep the format ready, we're gonna always recap, like kind of give the synopsis of what the episode is. Um, last season ended on some crazy shit. So, again, this is for people that actually watch The Expanse, come ride with us. If not, it's not a big deal. But um, for uh, season six, episode one, uh, the Rosinante crew make a startling discovery on an asteroid. Avastorella and Bobby contend with the de- devastation of Earth. Drummer and her family must make a heartbreaking decision on series marco and philip are acting a damn (laughs) fool. that is your that is your episode one recap fellas how did you guys
2: enjoy this episode josh you want to take it take on a lead off
1: uh yeah i mean it was it was it was solid i think it was like a nice bridge it didn't necessarily cover a ton of ground um like it didn't it didn't exactly um plunge ahead into new territory it seemed like it was more of a bridge episode, sort of like, a, hey, so, you know, Marco's dropped, you know, an asteroid on Earth and this is the aftermath kind of a deal. Um, it seems like at the end of last season, with everything, with everybody sort of being scattered and then coming back together towards the end of the season, um, it, uh, it, it sort of ended off on, OK, so, you know, he dropped an asteroid on Earth. You know, now we're retaliating and we're figuring out whatever, whatever. Um, It seems like there was a little bit of a time jump at the end of the the season. So it didn't really, you know, I think that last half of that last episode was sort of uh, reactionary. You know what I mean? Like this is the reaction to everything that's gone on. Um, And it seems like another time jump, not a major one. I think, you know, from what I remember in the episode, it was a couple of months uh, that they jumped ahead. Um, And it seemed like it was like, all right, so this is what's going on and this is where things are at. And not necessarily like a big, any any big plot changes or plot arcs, you know, the reaction to uh, Clarissa, we were just talking about that off off camera. Um, The reaction to Clarissa being on the ship for a little while um, you know, the Rossi sort of being um being sort of like the freelance vanguard of sorts uh, to try to deal with things. There's, there's a couple of little things that that, that um, you know, now that, now that the Rossi's sort of legitimized um and 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 sort of a free agent of the of of the Earth government. You know that was interesting to see. And, but you know, it didn't really cover a ton of territory. It just sort of refamiliarized you with the characters, gave you, you know, like a little bit of the aftermath of of how uh, how things ended in in the last season. but you yeah. know it was, fun. It, was, it, was fun.
0: Like, it, it was very like it was very like it was it didn't seem like a um a season premiere. it looked it was like almost like a cleanup. Like it was just kind of like, hey, just to let you guys know what's going on. This is this. Yeah, just that. reintroducing. Yep, reintroducing. Everyone's doing that. I thought that was like it was good though, because like I mean, I went back and rewatched the season finale, um, and then also more just because my favorite scene of all time is when Amos is uh about to have peaches onto the uh onto the ship, and he was like, you know, I remember you were trying to kill me, and then we were, we were cool, and now we're good, we're family, right? He's like, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. He just we good. Yo, she's gonna stay on the board for a little bit. y'all I got some shit worked out. Don't even worry about it. I got you. And you just see Holden not saying a word for the, like five, like two minutes. It's and he's an amazing. Like, visual. He's he, he mm-hmm. like, what just happened? What? Yeah. She, but she like, but she was trying to kill. What?
2: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> actors is just. I mean, it's just master class. We mm-hmm. use that all the time, but like. These actors just get it where they need to like just they understand what each scene
1: needs and they and they deliver um every time. But yeah. yeah well, I don't I know, know if you guys know. noticed, but uh it, it also helps that the actor who plays Holden is one of the producers on the show. Yes, True. yes.
2: True. Uh, it helps is, immensely. Uh, I have a
1: Strait. I have a feeling that really translates really well. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and that's Steven Strait and and also Yes. Uh, Steven Strait, thank you. Uh he he's direct I think he's directed a few episodes. I don't oh, nice. uh um, mm. maybe he hasn't, but I know that Thomas Jane, who was previously on the show as yeah, uh, he has a, j- directed a couple episodes. episodes, yeah. Yeah, he's he's directed um uh, um some of the episodes, I think a few episodes uh an episode last season.
0: Yeah, I and, and I think that's a that helps to it because I think at the end of the day, like you can tell this is like one of those shows because it's so like heady sci-fi that it's it really is the people involved actually really really care about the show like yeah. want to make it well yeah. and everyone no one's in there just haphazardly i'm just checking it getting a check they're yeah. actually like i actually care about the show i yeah. want this to do well and because it's such a niche because it's a very very sci-fi show as you know you'll go into later but um so people that are into it like they're they're okay with the quiet moments like we don't necessarily need to see gun battles every single day we could have like conversations and all that so i think for this episode i thought that was dope that they kind of like again quick check in to see where everyone was at but it was also good to see the um aftermath of how um a character like philip is taking like you know he's quote unquote a hero Mm -hmm. and now he's definitely not taking it well he gets he's smashing chicks now because he wasn't doing that before but it's just very (laughs) it's very just like loveless and just ah. you know, I'm just getting whatever I'm doing. His dad doesn't take yeah. him seriously. No one else takes him seriously. He's just kind of like the almost like the trophy, uh, the trophy son at this point.
2: Yeah, and you know, adding to that, I think I wrote in my notes that you know what we're seeing in Philip is so he ha- he sort of goes through this life as they established before he even gets on screen, where his mother abandoned him. Naomi uh, abandons him uh, when he's an infant. Um, And she doesn't there's nuances to that. Right. She doesn't just say, I don't want a child. I'm going to go do my thing in the stars or whatever. Uh, It's because of Marco and the fact that he used her to commit mass murder. Uh, Fast forward to Philip, who didn't understand that last season. But by the end, and as we see with the recap, the uh, the opening montage that, re- that you know, directs us to what we need to pay attention to in this uh, episode, um, there's a he had the neglect side of it. But then there's also the emotional and psychological abuse re- uh, reaped on him by Marco at the yep. hand of Marco. And yep. you saw that. Um, Not only so you have the vigor of youth bumping into up against a youth, a teen or a youth individual, an adolescent, as far as belters go, um, who uh, is who, again, is psychological and emotionally abused. We see that. And here's some spoilers, just some specifics in the scene. But uh, there's a moment where, when we first see Philip, we see Philip for the first time as Cam alludes to it. He's sort of randomly smashing these Belter chicks, and obviously it's because he's Philip Arnaro, son of Marco Arnaro, and uh, the leader of the belt. Um, Then he gets to the meeting late, and you know you they have a again the actors knowing what scenes need. Uh, There's a shot where uh, you see Marco reacting to him from behind uh, as the girl is as he's trying to pick up this chicken. She's not she's kind of ignoring him later when he finally wants to be involved with the conversation. Marco is like uh, tells his second man, you know, come on. uh, I want to have this conversation in private. Yeah, it's classic. The dynamic between those two in which early on, Marco felt Philip has stolen some of his power from him. Yeah. going up late and by not being attentive to what was going on. Now, when fast forward, Philip is finally ready to be attentive. Marco sees it as an opportunity to reassert, reassert his power over Philip by mm-hmm. saying no. And in a way, it's it's consequence. Of a youthful uh decision, a bad youthful decision of Philip to go to the strategy meeting late early. Yep. yep. Now when you want to be a part of it, yep. the answer is no. But in Marco's way of doing that is like not just saying, Well, you know, earlier you didn't want to be a part of this, now all of a sudden you want to. That's not how this works. Um, Marco simply says, tells his command his commander, come with Spun me. Him. And as he tries to, as the Philip tries to speak, he's like in private. Let's finish yep. in private. <laughs> exactly, so he's biting and singing, and and it creates that moment <sighs> that ultimately leads to Philip making that faithful decision that he does.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it, like, like I said, it's sundom, because you could tell the whole time he's kind of yeah. just like he's oh, yeah. like he's the man, but he's not the man, and so yeah. and that and then so that's why I think that you know at the end we was getting super drunk and just kind of like trying to hit on a girl that was uh, obviously not feeling them and no understanding because one you could tell she's a little bit older too she was already she's hip to the game yeah. and she was actually she was being actually to her credit was being cool about it but like look nah Absolutely. That, that little game was not working on me here's a mm-hmm. drink on me chill it's all good mm-hmm. and then when, it, when he got a little bit uh rough and his homie was just like yo man you gotta chill out that's when all that rage started coming out yeah you needs know, I mean, to, you know, to
1: their credit I feel like I mean, and I and think it's indicative uh, <clears throat> of shows that came before it. You know, uh, I think early Walking Dead, um, all of Battlestar Galactica, they're all character driven. I think this I think the expanse sort of carries it to a different place, mm-hmm. but they're all character driven. And it's really just. Characters in zombie apocalypse, characters yeah. in you know, uh, in, in cyborg, the cyborg apocalypse. Um, right. and in this one, it's a little bit more flushed out a little bit more. It's, it's less clear cut and, and dry yes. than yes. a battle. Or a, or, or a walking dead. It's, yeah. it's definitely, um, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. And, <laughs> and, and I think the, where, where this show excels is it intertwines the characters into like the characters can't necessarily be separated so easily from what's happening. Whereas the subplot is always, you know, in the other shows that I mentioned, the subplot is always what's happening with the characters and the plot is always, you know, whatever the main thrust of the show is, this is definitely way intertwined in terms of the two.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a balance in that, um, these things are not divorced from one another. Right. So there's no, no, not a lot, no narrative arc, no character development that is that you can separate and say, okay, if I took that out, everything will still work yep. the same way. No, this is a fine tuned machine that every mm-hmm. part, every piece of that machine is needed to talk to the other in order for this to work. Um, like a novel almost and and that's why it is very much um in that same vein of a novel and i know that's uh low-hanging fruit because you know obviously it's an adaptation yeah Um,
0: and also i think too is like uh, I would say because people ask me they're like oh you know why is Expanse good and I'm like well on top of the very heady sci-fi stuff because you know uh, it's been wildly known it's one of the most on-brand um, on on-science-y science <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of you know, a lot of the sci-fi shows like it actually is putting a really yeah. big stamp on science it. it's like yeah. Right, yeah they really try to put the science in there but <laughs> yeah. they do a really good job of grounding it in reality and and try to ground it in a certain level of uh, human aspect of it so right. it's, and so I think that helps it with a lot going on overall because like, you know, we're still in space. We're doing all this stuff. There's a, there's a big overarching arc that's going on, but then you have quieter moments where when you're on uh, the Rosanate and it's like Amos and Peaches and they have a good rapport with each other about like, almost like mentor to mentee, maybe dating, maybe not, but they have a good rapport. And then you see the uh, couple that's been a couple for the whole show and they're in a very tense almost frozen uh, space because they yes. both are like in this weird situation on themselves and yes. so you see that dynamic and when Naomi uh, lashes out at Amos, Amos is like, yo, you need to chill. This is the- obviously not about her.
2: <laughs> right, it's not about her, it's yeah. not about Alex, it's something Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's, yeah. And it's the tension of the fact and Naomi calls it out, you know and this is again part of what line of what we're all talking about here and how you can't divorce even the things that have, are considered past narration in the story um when Naomi points out the fact that what's weird for her is that she tried to run away from all this mm-hmm. and then Marco mm-hmm. brought her back into it and now she's and now forcing her to hunt down and kill the people that she once called family you know and so that's Like you said, going to back to reemphasizing how much of a character-driven but balanced narrative that this is, all of those things are not cannot divorce one from the other. Marco's traumatizing her. Marco traumatized her in their youth, and then now again (laughs) as as adults, and you know, doing the same thing to her to her son. Um, there was a few things I just wanted to point out. Um, I do believe that it was 187 days, so that was like a couple months. I think that's what the, what it said. That yeah, it was like 87 days, six months or something like we, that. Yeah, after what we saw in season five. Yeah. So that was that was um, definitely not a lot a lot of. T- what they showed with that sort of montage of kind of showing you, like you said, bringing you up to speed, but there are a little, there are a few things to note about their sort of setup. So the one thing is that Marco, his, his position is very tenuous, right? So the conversation, so the conversation on series where he's talking about, you know, Fred Johnson is dead. Anderson Dawes is dead. History has moved on with them where uh, Sandrini, who's the new this. Emiss- administrator is trying to get him to understand, bruh, we gotta <laughs> make water and feed people now. Yep. Uh, this station that you literally that you were just calling the the belter capital, the capital of the belt will starve in a few months if we don't if we don't figure something out. And what we know in this world about about belters is that They don't care about money and power in that way. What they care about are uh, clean uh, air, clean air recyclers, water and crops. When you mess with that, it's survival. Exactly. Exactly. So that's an important moment when you see her trying to explain that to Marco and him dismissing it. And they cut to her the way she's like. Mm-hmm, all right. You know, <laughs> she's kind of like, all right. Like you think because and she says it like, bro, you dropped the rock on Earth. That is yep. the only place in the entire universe right now that we know can produce the natural resources that supports human life. Yep. Now you've put it in a position where that planet m- might die sooner than it was expected. And that means that everything will have to be grown. From from sheep. Right. Right.
0: Literally. yo And that's the part that's crazy to me where it's like it go it kind of goes back to the thing where it's like the you want to be the liberator, but you don't want to actually govern and all the other stuff. Exactly. And so now that he has now he did the, the big grand move, now he has to deal with the politics and stuff. He gotta read spreadsheets. Right. He yeah. gotta like put a build a coalition and all this yeah. other all this stuff where like he just he's just an activist. He's like the uh, down on the road that just wants to like yeah. like change things, but he doesn't want to actually yeah. govern, you know. Yeah,
2: and to be honest, what he did than anything was—he shot, he shot up Earth and Mars, and now and they're wounded, but they're not dead by yep. it, by a long shot. Oh and no! He can't take the fight right to them, as we saw. And what and I think that is another way that this show sets things up. A lot, like you guys point out, a lot didn't go on, but a lot was set up. Yep. And, and oh yeah, a lot was told to us without telling us. We were told that Marco, Marco, his position is not as firm as he wants to project or that he is projected. We were told that, you know, um, that the uh, that the Martian, that the Martians are basically rebuilding. But it's a slow it's becoming a slow process and a, and a tenuous process. So, yeah, yeah, the, the episode definitely didn't like come out and punch you in the face in terms of like action and, and excitement. But, and I do agree. I think it did feel more like, cause having just watched episode, uh, the fin- episode 10, the season finale of, of, of season five, and then watch straight through into uh, season one's premiere. It does, even though it's a few months, it does feel like just a continuation of the immediate aftermath of what we saw uh, then and that was fine because it yep. wasn't lazy. It was done purposefully, um, and it does set up a whole lot in terms of what we even hold in reviewing the footage of the the Bar the, one of the MCRN ships that was. Uh, <laughs> Breakaway ships. Yep. uh, Getting uh, uh, what I like to call eight by the the unknown aggressors um, as it transited through the ring space. And I love that moment again. What is what is Holden getting distracted by the big picture as he should, as everybody should be. But what does Amos say? Look, man. We can't deal with that right now. We don't know even where to begin with that. Yep. And I'm only yep. here so that because I didn't want to to leave you or abandon you. Do yep. not do that to us right now. And that's mm-hmm. important because when those sort of world ending the stuff with the proto molecule and the ring builders and all that stuff, Holden tends to to stray off the course yeah. and, and go away, and it often causes it. it it nearly wrecks everything. So I, thought I mean that was a
1: great moment when Amos said, Look, don't pull there it. There is a logic to that though, yeah. to, to the path his character takes with that, because absolutely. he was actually there at the creation of it. Like he was in the he, he was in the thick of it.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So there's, absolutely- there's a
1: certain logic to it.
2: Absolutely. There's a brilliant logic to it. And it's in line with his character. Of course, Holden, if he sees something like that, it's going to catch his attention. It doesn't matter if he's in a firefight with Marco, because in what clicks for Holden is what doesn't click for 90 percent of 98 percent of the other characters, which is right. That right there is a much bigger threat than Marco. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And then Holden's pretty good at looking at the bigger picture anyways, which yeah. you're right. You need the Amos to be like, yo, dude, that's cool, but right now we got to make sure we don't die. <laughs>
2: yeah, and they do that for each other. Earlier yep. in the episode, hey, when Amos, Amo, Amos, Amos, yeah, i mean saying it. When Amos when Amos, <laughs> Amos, Amos. When Amos is uh, asking uh, Holden if he, think, if he thought they could get a Basarala to pay them for every time they took out, uh, took out one of those assholes, as he said. Um, and Holden first is going along with it, thinking he's joking. And it's like, i love to see you try. And then Amos is like, no, nah, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> And then you see not, we broke. Holden, and you see him get dead serious. Where he's like, nah, man, we're not merc- mercs. You know, we doing this because we represent the one of the only like true like, heroic stances in this entire thing. Like, the Rasanati doesn't fly any specific, even though it's closely closely related to Earth and the UN, it doesn't fly any particular colors. You could say that it's done more work for the belt than anything, but it's, you know, they are the true heroes of the story, if there's even, if that even applies, you know, hero, you know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's what's cool, because, like, Amos always gives him the um, the real keeps him grounded a little bit, but then also holding holding, make sure that he doesn't go full psychopath.
2: Exactly. That's the best
0: way to put
2: that. Yes, he, he like make you. sure he doesn't be too goody two shoes. Yep, only make sure he doesn't go off on a killing spree.
0: <laughs> exactly, and then now if you put in um what's going on with drummer and she's like you know she's now sure her her ship is now the the lone soldier out just out in the world trying to survive because now everyone all the, else, all, the elder, all the other belters are pretty much either dying or joined up with marcos right and so it's interesting to see her now where she's kind of like okay i know what i'm again she's always putting that heart that rock in a hard place where she knows what she wants to do but she also trying to be good for the people on her ship and stuff like that which also i think is a dope character and it also shows her again um her fluid fluidity of her lovers (laughs) and how they and how they balance they balance her how they balance her hey i'm out here son 2021 um (laughs) Now, you know,
2: ladies and gentlemen, what, what he just did <laughs>
0: <laughs> now turning to Marcos, where, again, we see him. He's drinking more. Mm-hmm. He's disinterested in the day to day of the the movement. Yeah, And he's openly dismissive of his of his child because now he finally has restarted dominance now. Right. And so it's interesting to kind of see that because we saw for a whole season of him being very rah rah, very like almost like a uh, uh, prophetic And then now the human part of it is starting to seep in now where he's just like, what, wait, you just got me coffee.
2: (laughs) And that moment was great too, because that was the showing the visual foil of him versus Holden. Yes. Because we see Holden all the time and we know that that character loves coffee. And then I thought that it was interesting that Rosenfeld um gave it to him in the same way that you were you were accustomed to seeing Naomi handing um Marco mm. a, um, handing holding a bulb of coffee when he's contemplating or he's trying to decide on some big decision and all that stuff and 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 all the important things that they they've done over the sea. So I thought that was a really neat visual parallel that they because To draw that attention to coffee as the way they did with Marco and the way he reacted to it, and you know, I thought that was clearly the writers and the director, the the directors, and saying, "Hey, you guys, look at Marco being all holding over here." (laughs) here." You know, and and it totally totally worked uh, because those two are such foils of one another for so many, 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 many reasons.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think that was cool to show that.
1: Sorry. I was gonna say, I think you put it perfectly earlier on, D'Angelo. Um, you know, Marco Marco's an activist and not an administrator. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like uh, sort of putting that front and center now.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like that example that um in Game of Thrones, when Tywin Lannister, or someone was—they always talked about Robert. Like, yeah, he was good at winning the crown, but he was terrible at ruling. Like that was mm-hmm. sort of uh, Marco, in that he fit, and, and to be honest, he hasn't even won the crown all the way because you know there's a reason he's not engaging the UN and MCRN forces. Is because he can't even with the even with the amount of ships that he's got, and they're great ships because they're. MCRN ships, which means that they're by and large better than all of the UN ships. Um, But the reason he can't do that is because those nations are still nations. They're still established. They still have minds and intelligence that can use very little and get big results. He had to use a lot of big things to get his big result which is Martian tech, uh, not to mention freaking asteroids. And uh-huh. all that. He hadn't coded them with stealth. They would have shot every single one of them down. And so that's, that's why he has to put on that front. He has to exert the little power that he has because Marco didn't set out to build a nation. He set out to be a conqueror. And at the end of all that, he doesn't know... Which way next to go? But that's why he said he says, uh, "Don't you miss the fight?" You know, and and old oh, girl reminds him, oh brother, the fight's gonna come. You you, know, <laughs> you should be <laughs> trying studying. to think about other right. stuff like governing, Like the fight is coming. Yeah, because at some point, those ships that you see sitting there for blue and red, they're gonna start pushing out, <laughs> and they gonna they coming. Totally. You no, know, they're never gonna let just the the Marco get away with what he did. He's he's the damn man walking, pretty much, and, and he. One hundred percent, and they all know that it's the and he, but he's the only one that is kind of not understanding the things that he should be doing to keep that from happening. Because if you build a belter nation and and solidify it, then maybe you stand a chance when they get back ready to to go. And there's also something else in the back of his mind that he's thinking about as his insurance policy as to why he's not worried.
0: Um, yeah, true.
2: That, then we'll, we can talk about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, and then lastly, we have um Avicerela and Bobby, who are clearly bored because they're just like, Bobby, for sure, because she out here, like she was like, you know, bench pressing niggas for the longest time, and now she's in a political <laughs> role. <laughs> so she over here chilling, and then so, again, she's in a good place. She actually yeah. should be with Avocerell. It makes you feel more safe. From this. Yeah. Old, old lady needs like a right hand. But at the end of the day, you can tell she's just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Little cool visual Bobby standing on Earth perfectly fine. hmm Exactly. Again, Very showing. Exactly. And that took, like, what, three seasons? Well, yeah, I mean, ideally, because she hadn't spent much time on Earth before we saw her go to Earth Mm -hmm. the first time. And um, for those of you who are kind of casual viewers are mildly interested, thing is Martian gravity is a lot. uh, There's less gravity on Mars, so they grow up uh, without a real horizon and things that orient them to that horizon so that makes it a little tougher when a Martian has to step foot on Earth, set foot on Earth. And now there's a horizon, there's an ocean, there are things that that ground you and and besides the gravity itself. Yeah. Uh, so. It's and,
0: uh, and I thought that was a cool thing when they showed that when the Martians came to Earth and they all were kind of like queasy, they could yeah. barely walk. It was like they had to really adjust themselves and they never really were really quite cool with being on Earth because they had been in a place that was a lot different. And yeah, so those little small touches are actually to me that which makes it really really cool or like when the belters go down to earth and they have like they literally can't stay there for longer than a, a short period of time because it yeah. with their whole situation
2: it's literally for a belter setting foot on earth it, it's literally like them trying to hold up like uh, uh, I don't even know what that weight would be like it's like them trying to uh, uh, a person that weighs 100 pounds soaking wet trying to bench press 500 pounds that's, and then, that's what it feels like. It would feel like for a person who didn't grow up in any in a gravity well to suddenly set foot in a place that has a lot of gravity.
0: And then also too, even um, I know when uh, astronauts go to space, they always grow like a little bit more because they have that's no gravity. Right. Yep, yep. So Decomp-
1: they have, you, you they have to be worked <laughs> through uh, through the through re-acclimating so that they don't get decompression sickness.
2: crazy
1: so
0: but yeah i like that's again it goes back to some of the cool things about expanse where it's like this is definitely a very sci-fi show less on the fantasy aspect of it and i think they reward you by paying attention and you start to see the whole situations, and as you picked up on the nuances um the last thing i was going to say is at the beginning of the show we have a, a vision of laconia and you have a little girl She's playing with some really weird looking animals. She's just like kind of out here living her life, and it was funny because like I was just like, "Who is this chick on this show?" Yeah. I, I was like, I, 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 "Yeah, I was like, I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen, Who I
2: haven't
0: seen, you?' I've seen, I've <laughs> seen no aliens in this whole show, and then the I'm I'm, wa- I'm watching the season finale, and I wait, like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, what's going on? Wait, is this the right show?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cold, very cold open.
0: Yeah, but it but I had to remind myself. I'm like, "Oh, that's right. The rogue nation of the Mars cats, they were just on some other shit and yep. they they built their own situation with the proto monocle. So I'm like, "All right, well, we we back. We back. We back, people." <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, not a wasted scene. no,
0: yo. Not a waste of scene. I think one of the things I would say um, for Expanse in general is like the the writing is really strong and their pacing is good, but it's very deliberate. And so a lot of times I, when I when I recommend Expanse to people, I'm like, look, if you're looking for something that's going to keep your attention all the time and it's like, you know, bam, bam, you know, someone's happening, someone's dying. There's always action. I'm like, this is not that show. It's there, but they have a very uh, deliberate pacing. They have very, everything they do is with intention. They so whatever is, so. they build it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you watching for the first season, By the end of the season, you see all the payoff that would happen in that first episode that if you went back Mm -hmm. to the first episode, you like,
2: oh, yeah, everything is perfectly set up in that first episode. You just have to you really just have to allow yourself to. It's just like reading a book. When you read page to page, there might not be a lot of excitement going on. But when you sit back and you think about what led to that big chapter where it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're like okay that made that journey worth it because it was actually building to something and and none of that stuff that i thought was like trivial was actually trivial it was actually uh very 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 meaningful
1: yeah. well i think they do a good job of of following the novel frankly and making the novel work the novels work for for a television series because yeah it doesn't it doesn't follow the traditional television okay so you know we're in act two there needs to be action beats here and you know mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily follow follow the usual structure you know watching star trek today like first act is you know this and second act is that and it just sort of follows yeah. a certain yeah. a certain televisiony pattern most shows do that but yeah. the expense definitely does not. It kind of marches to the, to to the beat of its own drum. Yeah, exactly. No, it, I'm, it, just,
0: I'm like, who's that random chicken? And they're not. They're not going to tell me until like episode four. Nope.
2: My Word. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's it's really good. It's the great example of serial storytelling. Like it's just where one thing it's picking up from where the last thing left off. Everything that you've seen before still matters. Like that. That stuff is. It's rare, and especially in today's TV television climate. Um, but it's even it's uh, it's a really rare commitment in storytelling to have that uh, to be patient, even as a writer or as the people who are penning it. You know, um, because I think one of the sort of early criticism for both books and shows is that oh, there's no villains, there's no antagonists, and it's like well, no, they're antagonists, they're antagonists. You just have to Wait a second. There are villains, but you just have to not see them as villains and as antagonists. And by that, I mean Mm. that that their goals are just opposite of the protagonist goals, who are also not to be viewed as heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are the I think it was Mark Georgia Martin who said it or, you know, it's been said no one is the villain in their own story. And the and. The Expanse treats its characters like that. No, nobody considers themselves a villain. Those mad scientists who were experimenting with the proto molecule, feeding an entire station of human beings to them to see how it reacted to it, in their warped sociopathic mind, they were not the villain. They were doing that to advance humanity or to protect humanity or some. So those sacrifices. Uh, Sacrifice few to say the many, Um, and the the Expanse really does a great job. I think better than a lot of stories because I think A Song of Ice and Fire is good like that. But in the show, they mark at a certain point they cross over to okay, that's just evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, exactly. Right there there is no humanity behind
0: yeah, it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I think I think that the like you said, the antagonist versus the villain is actually really interesting because if you took this show and looked at it from the Marcos uh situation, it's the scrappy rebels going against the big imperial trying to do something, 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 and that takes the whole dynamic of the show. Yeah. Or if you just take it from Avasarella, who's the more the politician, has to corral all these crazy people together and actually like, you know, she hates people, but she's actually good at
1: governing.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, she's the most misanthropic uh, uh, heroine that the earth has probably ever seen. Like people, but absolutely will do everything it takes to protect them and, and save them. And, and I think that's what those layers upon layers is what really, again, does it for me with all these characters, because no no one character, probably Holden is probably the only character who can be painted with a single bra stroke, and that is, he's very much the Clark Kent of the story, yep. you know, and even he grows beyond that as the story progresses. I I love Holden in books uh, seven, eight, and nine. Favorite version of Holden. Books six... On uh, back to one, I hated that guy. I hated him. He was a game But I hated him. Just because he was too, it was always too much. He was a boy scout. He's a Boy Scout. Every time there was something that had to be done, needed to be done. Here you go. Hold him (laughs) up and up. Got to make sure it's the right thing to do. I'm like, God, son, you're in space. There's aliens everywhere. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Throw that rule book out the window. You got a gunship. You should be be having people worship your feet now. But yeah. Uh, great So holding is better now. And I think that that's the beauty of those characters. They can't be pregnant with a with a broad stroke.
0: Yeah. And I, I would say the, the last thing I would say on that is like the um character development of all the characters have been super interesting where I think, you know, uh each character has gone through an interesting arc and you like them or hate them more by that right. arc. Like for me, for like, I hate Naomi. She's fucking annoying. Literally her one decision like was the whole of season five. Like that one decision (laughs) was the catalyst for a whole story art. And and she was the center of it that actually caused the death of certain characters and this and that. And I'm like, man, so you trying to get mad at somebody else is kind of (laughs) small.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and they've all had those moments where they've done something that's caused a great deal. Um, Holden's was in the very first where he, uh instead of not logging the call, the Canterbury call, he logs it and mm-hmm. lies about it and then causes them to have to go out. Canterbury gets killed. Shit, the the, the, the medic gets killed, which yep. I always thought the fact that they never replaced the medic on the, on, the, <laughs> on the show, it was just such a funny thing as a sci-fi nerd, because every science fiction show, all the greats. Always and has a doctor. Really not so great. If there is a ship in space in vacuum, there is a doctor, and that doctor is always important and always usually survives and always is needed. But are like, nah, we got an auto doc.
1: Yep, and always and like, if, you can, <laughs> if you can,
2: if you can, if you can travel in space, if you can travel light space, I think you can get an auto doc. <laughs> you yeah, can exactly. Have an auto doc. No yeah. need for the medic.
0: Exactly. I was actually surprised when the medic died. I was like, wait, whoa, that was weird.
2: (laughs) Oh, and did he die? At least he didn't notice anything. Seriously. um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So, all right, to wrap this up, is there anything else you guys want to wrap for this particular episode? Say that again. Is there anything else you want to say about this particular episode? Or, and expectations, because we only got five more episodes left. At the end, D'Angelo actually read the book and read all the books. So we can have him go on a crazy deep dive at the end of the at the end of the season. Right. But for this one specifically, do you anything else you want to want say about it?
2: I did want to um I did want to go in a little bit without giving anything away on the Laconia stuff. Because I think um, you know, talking to you guys, I do think that. Out of context, the Laconia stuff is being built really nice, but it's very McGuffiny right now. Mm. Where it, it, it isn't, it's only in a very small way impacting the main narrative. And I do not think that, from everything I've read, that Laconia will, even though this is the last season, will play a big role. I think the the last three books, even though it hasn't been announced will either be picked up for continuation somewhere else or Amazon is planning some kind of movies they have to be, because there's three more books that's like a hell of a finale to that story more so than what we're going to see with the end of this arc um but um that going back to season 5 and even season 4 so the through line of the, what we know about laconia so far is that in season back in season 4 when Holden in the the UN science ship and the Belters when that whole season, basically there was a group of Martians watching them and watching what was going on. And they were also at the same time engaged in black market deals and they were selling weapons and things to Marco. all been established. Um, what they eventually discover is that um the, the Martian uh separatists found out something about the, when they saw what happened with Illus and the molecule, even just a little bit activating those devices, they learned something about that, which, as Avassarala points out, like, why would they want to do that? And Holden says, well, maybe they know something that we don't. Yep. Fast forward to um the last scene of the finale where, you know, the, the Admiral is about to shoot old girl for the bracelet. And he's talking about, um, the fact that they're getting ready to embark on this, this military, uh, uh, dynasty in which they can't, they have no civilian world. Like there, there's only the military that they brought with them. So if you fuck up, you're dead. (laughs) I guess that's just it. And and so, um, uh, what what we what they preview in the end is is the doctor who's originally the expert on the protomolecule uh, who was given to the um, Martian group as well as the protomolecule as payment for those ships and weapons. Yep. Um, and what we see is that this fool has already started using the proto molecule to activate shit on on the planet?
0: Man, um, listen. And then
2: fast forward again to, uh, and then they show you the structure uh, above the 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 planet, and then fast forward to um, episode six hundred one, where we get the code open, which is from one of the novellas called Strange Dogs. Uh, you look like a dog. You know, in the in the in the uh, in the episode when she tells the creature looks like a dog, um, that girl is really important. <laughs> uh, I can't. She's really important. Um, okay. And the person she's calling for, Zan, he's he's important too. Um, but that's Laconia, and that's where the the breakaway fleet um, when they left and they betrayed Martian. That's where they settled, and um, they have. Thing to keep in mind is that they have with them a fleet of MC of uh, Martian heavy Donager class ships. Uh think of it like this. They got about probably several dozen Rasinatis. Yeah. <laughs> like those type gunships, those frigates that can move quickly, and, and then they got they got several dozen of the big ones. So they took an entire fleet of military weapons, scientists. Mines, all of them broke away from Mars because and the reason they did is because when the ring gates open, Mars basically died. Yeah. Mars died. The whole point of that was that they were had a generational goal to make Mars a livable biosphere. And since there are now all these planets that they have access to where you can breathe fresh air, who wants to live under a biosphere that and watch their children grow and die and, uh, you know, have to. So that was the motivation of the breakaway fleet. What they did was partner with Marco and basically engineered the greatest terrorist attack in the history of mankind. Um, yeah. The mind behind that has already been mentioned. Yeah. Duarte, who is, um, has not appeared, um, but he is, Arguably, at this point, the primary antagonist of the story. Mm. So because he is the mind behind Marco and that, as I mentioned earlier, as Marco, um, his whole reason that he's not really concerned is because he understands that behind the scenes, he has he thinks he had Laconian uh um, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: He has a whole nother he has a, yeah, he got backup at <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the end of the day. And I think that's the thing that's my, that makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um okay, all right. So yeah, yeah, that 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 we'll we'll leave it at that for it for episode one. Um yeah. we'll be back to uh, cap to recap episode two. And then we'll do um, We'll do every episode um, You know A day or two after it To kind of And then throw it back up there Um, But yeah Let us know what the folks think We're already enjoying it As you can see Without even getting into Crazy of the books And all that stuff But Mm -hmm. um, Blurred lines And we are out
1: Deuces